Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Higher again! A goal Oh, Benedetto! Beautifully done! Sensational! Coming up on Le Bourgeois, Paris Saint-Germain missed the chance to go top as Pochettino's men crash at home to Nantes. Lille, Lyon and Monaco also drop points as the title race remains incredibly tight. We'll also look at Marseille's upturn under Jorge Sampaoli and hear from Lorient's sharp shooting Nigerian striker Terem Moffi. You're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. And I'm delighted to say we have the uh, the usual gang in this morning. Robbie Thompson, he's had a short night after commentating PSG Nantes uh, at the Parc des Princes. How are you, Robbie? Very well, thank you, Matthew. Really looking forward to hearing uh, the words of Terry Moffi and uh, should be very interesting. <laughs> well, Rob, we're going to talk about PSG first and we are going to hear from Terry Moffi soon after that. David Crossan, how are you? Good, thanks, Matt. And yourself? Yeah, very well, very well. I I had an early night. I was the only one of the three of us not working um, late, but uh, I'm sure it was a pleasure for you guys because there is uh, there is so much going on, so much excitement. And uh, Robbie, before the game at the Parc des Princes, there must have been a bit of confidence in the air, a feeling that it was PSG's ta- chance to to take the bull by the horns in the title race, a win, and they would have gone top. Is that is 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 that? The feeling you had arriving at the game? Yeah, absolutely. There was there was confidence. I mean, everyone was keeping an eye on the score between Monaco and 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 Lille. Um, obviously, it was an opportunity to to yeah. go top when you when you think it's been seven weeks that Paris Saint Germain since Paris Saint Germain were knocked off top spot, and I think uh, everyone knows that in this final sprint race to the to the finish line, every point counts. And uh, I'm not sure anyone really expected what happened last night in the Paris Saint Germain camp, anyway. But I'm sure. Nantes will will say that they prepared it and everything went their way perfectly. Well, let's hear what happened then as uh, Paris Saint-Germain took on a Nantes side second from bottom, uh, scrapping for their top flight survival. Robbie Thompson was your commentator at the Parc des Princes. Back for Rafinha, Verratti. Oh, it's well played again. Mbappe with Di Maria. Oh, looking for it back. Draxler and Paris Saint-Germain are in front. 42nd minute. The goal has been coming. Mbappe. Oh, he's given it away cheaply there. Mbappe with Colomwani. Colomwani has scored. Equalised for Nantes. And it's a lovely finish from Randall Colomwani. His fourth goal of the season. Courtesy of a mistake from Kylian Mbappe. Glancing head up. And here's Colomwani again. Colomwani with the square ball for Moses Simon. And Nantes have scored. 20 minutes left. And Nantes are in front at the Parc des Princes. So, Robbie, a shock defeat. It finished at 2-1 to Nantes. It's PSG's seventh league defeat this season, which is uh, quite alarming. Four of them coming at home at the Parc des Princes, although the previous defeats at home were against uh, fellow big guns, Monaco, Lyon and, and Marseille. This one of the biggest upsets of the season. Um, PSG still second, three points behind Lille. What went wrong, Robbie? Uh, everything went wrong pretty much last night. The first half, Paris Saint-Germain were dominant, but um, never really got inside. And I think that's where 
uh, Nantes played very well. They played with three central defenders. They Basically, the penalty box was, was a no-go zone for Paris Saint-Germain. I think Marquinhos had a free header. Draxler's goal was just from inside the box, only just before half-time. And apart from that, maybe a shot from Mbappe inside the box. But Paris Saint-Germain basically were limited to, to trying their luck from distance, from outside the box. Kylian Mbappe was the centre-forward, and he drifted a lot out to the left. So there was really no presence in the box. There was no Mauro Icardi, Moise Keane was sidelined as well. So I think that was, that was one of the things that didn't go right uh, in the first half, despite I think it was nine shots to three for, for Paris Saint-Germain. Ludovic Blas had a, had a chance in the first half for Nantes. But at that point, when it was 1-0, you thought, OK, everything going according to plan. Paris Saint-Germain are on, are on their way now. And then Paris Saint-Germain just stopped playing in the second half. Nantes took the chances that came their way. They didn't have an enormous number of chances either. But uh, Randall Colomwani, the France under-21 international, was excellent. Um, inherited a pass, intercepted a pass from, from Mbappe. Uh, and then beat Marquinhos one-on-one to score. Fantastic goal. And then his acceleration, beating the offside trap and squaring the ball for, for Moses Simon for the second goal. There was still time for Paris Saint-Germain to, to come back. Paris Saint-Germain will think with 15 minutes to go, 20 minutes to go, that they still, well, they should have at least tried to get an equaliser, get that winning goal. It didn't happen for them. Uh, full credit, Nantes. But uh, yeah, it wasn't. It's not the first time this has happened. After the Champions League, we've seen the Champions League is taking a lot of energy, mental and physical, out of Paris Saint Germain at the moment. They worked very hard. They had to do a lot of running on Wednesday night against Barcelona. I don't think we've seen a Paris Saint Germain side have to run so much mm. in so a Robbie, long time the, as they the, did the, against Barcelona. The Champions Barcelona. League that's sapping so much energy. It's what it's two games this calendar year. Plus all the Coupe de France matches yeah. as well. Yeah, they're playing more football than any other because side they in should France, have a squad really sure. to cope with that energy. You know that that energy sapping without a preseason preparation as well. Let's <laughs> Dave, not forget. And I Killian... know no one wants to hear that we go back to that, but everyone has said right since the start of the season there was no preseason training for Paris Saint Germain, and Paris Saint Germain would pay for it right to right to the end of this campaign, which is the case. Dave, does Kylian Mbappe get an assist for that that setup for Colomani? I hope so. I, I, it was a great ball to Colomani, who's who's also from Bondi in the Paris suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Mbappe is having a really bizarre time of things at the moment because he alternates playing brilliantly with being awful. We're not seeing any average Kylian Mbappe performances right now. He goes from scoring a hat-trick in the new Camp to being invisible or hopeless in games where you'd expect him to dominate. And against Nantes, they needed Mbappe to dominate because Neymar is still out. He might not be back until after the international window. Um Di Maria started for the first time in Ligue 1 since the Classic and had a couple of good shots in the first half. But Comboare, who let's remember used to play and coach, play for and coach Paris Saint-Germain, hit upon this three centre-half system almost by default because he had no full-backs available. And it worked really well. So maybe more teams will see that and um, realise that if they can keep Paris Saint-Germain out of the box, that you can get into their heads as much as anything. I'm not sure it's just a physical problem that... They, yeah, they stopped playing. You, they look clueless in the second half, short of energy. And apart from Paredes hitting one in the last 10 minutes, I, I really didn't see them do anything in the second yeah, half. No, there were no chances in the, in, in the second half. Robbie, with reports this morning and reports that were breaking last night that Di Maria and, and Marquinhos had their homes broken into. Um, 
obviously that is not something um, that we want to hear and it's not helpful to the players. As far as we're aware, they didn't know that was that. I mean, that, that's not a, a reason why they weren't focused on the game. No, I, I wouldn't have thought so. Although we are hearing mixed reports that perhaps the, the squad knew that something was happening at halftime, but not what exactly. And, the, and they decided to just go and keep on playing. But then we saw, it, was, and it was very strange scenes, Leonardo, the sporting director, come down and have a word to the, the team manager who then went and had a word to Mauricio Pochettino on the sideline about 15 minutes into the second half, at which point they then brought off Angel Di Maria. And as Di Maria was heading to the the bench to sit down, the coach went with him and sort of directed him into the changing room. The two headed straight into the changing room. Jesus Perez took over the coaching role on the sideline for for Paris Saint-Germain. And Pochettino was missing for about four minutes um, Mm. from the sideline in the changing room with Di Maria. Di Maria then immediately left the stadium. So nobody really knew. So perhaps we shouldn't be happening. too harsh on PSG's second half performance, given there well, could have been circumstances that made yeah. it made it a bit difficult outs, outside of the game. But we're speculating. Well, I'm sure the players would have seen Di Maria head off straight to the changing room and thought that's a bit strange that the coach wasn't there. Those sort of things don't go unnoticed by by a team who's playing, certainly a, a team with this professional level as well. Whether that had a, an effect on the performance, I really couldn't say. But you you look at the team sheet and you think, I think as a visitor to the Parc des Princes or when you play Paris Saint-Germain at home, when they send out a team like that, you think, yeah, we've got a chance today. Because if you've got Dagba and Diallo playing full-backs, that doesn't worry you too much. You think, oh, fancy having a go at them. The midfield, really unbalanced. And lots of technically talented players. When you've got Rafinha, Verratti and Draxler playing together, but there's not a lot of bite there, even if Verratti will always pick up a yellow card. And there's not a great deal of pace either. So you're not going to get stretched the same way that you're used to being stretched against Paris Saint-Germain. And then when you get into the game, you think, okay, we've actually got quick players like Colomwani and Simon. They can hurt Paris Saint-Germain as much as we're getting hurt going the other way. Well, I think Colomwani as well, he said at halftime, didn't he, that we know that this is Paris Saint-Germain are coming off a Champions League match. We saw what happened after the last one where Monaco got a 2-0 win at the Parc des Princes. We know we'll have a chance. And of course... They're not out of the race for survival either. They're, they've jumped ahead of Nîmes. Yeah, yeah, they're up to, and sure. up to 18th now. They're in the, the playoff position. Exactly. So it's not like they're just dead and buried. They've got something to fight for. And we saw after the victory, the whole team came together in the middle of the, the pitch as well at the park, not celebrating, but just saying, let's keep this going. It was a, it was a very strong a motivational speech that was given there by, by the captain. Abdoulaye Touré was there as well, Giroto, and saying, Come in, guys. They got everyone. They got Albon Lafon back from the touchline. Everyone in a huddle at the end of the, the game to say, look, this is a turning point for us. Let's go on with it now. Matt, I think we're sometimes labelled league and experts, not by ourselves necessarily. But if we go back to last week's show and our predictions, it started pretty <laughs> well for me. I got all three of the title contenders' results wrong this weekend. Same. So I mine's all ripped many, up now. Yeah, I don't think any many people will have would have predicted not to 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 win at the Parc des Princes. Um, they're a big club, and you know, I'd 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 love to see Nantes survive and sort of reinvent themselves. Whether that will happen under Valdemir Kita, I I I don't know. But I think Antoine Comboire deserves a lot of credit because he does seem to be turning things around. Absolutely, they won Nantes. their first game under him as well, yeah. right, which was their first win of 2021. And interestingly, it was Gambuare who was, who was sacked mid-season, wasn't mm-hmm. he, by, by Paris Saint-Germain by back Leonardo. in 2011-12. And also, 
what I discovered yesterday, thanks to an interview that he gave Le Paris Young, was that he's probably the reason why Pochettino is Paris Saint-Germain coach now. Because Comboare was PSG's reserves coach, scouted Pochettino when Pochettino was playing in Spain, said to Luis Fernandez and the club's directors, we should sign him. If Pochettino hadn't been a former Paris Saint-Germain player, would he be Paris Saint-Germain coach now? I think all this talk about biggest upset of the season and, and all this sort of thing, yes, Paris Saint-Germain, who are, who are in a title race, shouldn't lose to, to second from bottom in Ligue 1. Lyon, who desperately need the points as well, shouldn't drop points. They equalised in the 92nd minute against Reims as well. Lille and Monaco is a little bit more understandable and there were chances at both ends, but... Let's not forget that this is the seventh defeat of the season. Matt, you said it as well. Can a, can a side win the league with four home defeats? Or when was the last side a Champions team lost four home matches in a season? Should we still be surprised every time this happens then to, to Paris Saint-Germain this season? New coach as well. He's only been there two and a half months. He hasn't been able to really put in practice his training, his training regime because Paris Saint-Germain are playing every three days. Now they're going to play a cup game that's been brought forward on Wednesday against the side leading the league. Would it be harsh to say that um, since Pochettino's arrived, there's been one good performance and that was in the new Camp? Uh, harsh? Well, obviously, because... No, I don't know. Have, the, have you well, seen... Has, has the team been playing well since the beginning of January? Or has, have, have there been signs of improvement? I think so. Defeated Marseille twice, won the Trophée des Champions. Qualified for the quarterfinals of the Champions League, sitting three points off top spot. I think you're being perhaps a little bit harsh. No, no, I'm not, I'm not being harsh. I'm asking which games they've played well in, apart from the new Camp, which obviously was the reason they got through in the Champions League. Dijon Fournil? <laughs> How good are Dijon? Nine defeats in a row. Yeah. Even- uh, I think looking at PSG's fixture list, they've, they've got Lyon next week as well. Lille in the Cup on Wednesday, then Lyon before the international break, Lille after the international break. Three Games that are even bigger now after that non-defeat. Yeah, well, look, let's turn our attentions to PSG's rivals. Two of them were in action on Sunday afternoon. Monaco at home against Lille. Monaco were fourth going into this one. A win for them um, against the league leaders, Lille, would have brought them to within four points uh, of the top. They would have certainly been uh, riding contention for the Champions League places. Uh, David Crossan is your commentator for this one from the Stade Louis de Sidibe, long. An accurate chance here to win it. Oh, Mike Menon's come up with a massive save there to deny Stevan Jovetic in added time. That's why Menon is rated as one of the best goalkeepers in the entire league. Jovetic timing his run in behind Sven Botman. Great control from Jovetic. Menon sticking out the leg. This the opportunity for Stevan Jovetic. So, David. It didn't quite live up to the hype, did it? Uh, goalers between Monaco and uh, Lille. Uh, Lille probably the the happier of the two, looking looking back at this one. Yeah, I'm not going to be writing a poem about this match. I was looking forward to it so much. Probably the most anticipated game of my commentary season. Maybe a haiku. Mike Menon, he's really strong. I'm not sure that's got enough syllables, but Menon is huge in Lille's title bid. Ex-PSG player, of course, and he made the great save at the end of the game to deny Monaco substitute Stevan Jovetic. But it was a game of very few chances. Two highly committed sides who know exactly what they're doing. They shut down space. Monaco did a bit more pressing than Lille did, but Lille's attackers um, got back into position and helped out their defence when they needed to. Golovin in the first half threatened a bit. Weyer was gliding around, started on the left, which I haven't seen him do before. They, they began with Bomber on the right, Weyer on the left. And Weyer had a couple of first half shots, but um, 
there weren't a lot of chances overall the two sides cancelled each other out I think Lille would have been happier with the point than Monaco not just because of Menon save but also because they were away from home at a title rival even if they'd won their previous seven away games they've still got to go to PSG and Lyon before the end of the season um, they'd have been even happier having seen what happened at the Parc de Prince later in the day it's uh, another clean sheet for them they've got the best defence in the league and Maybe, given that we talk so much about Jonathan David, Burak Yilmaz and the others, we don't talk enough about the defence apart from when we talk about Font and Botman. But let's talk more about Mignon. And he's the up-and-coming French goalkeeper. Um, still France's number three behind Mondonda and Loris, but it can't be long before he's overtaking at least one of those. Yeah, I think Steve Mondonda under big pressure. And, uh, and Loris, I mean... I think Loris is going to keep his place, isn't he, for for this summer at, at least. But uh, yeah, Menon brilliant, and he's he's you know we talk about top goalkeepers earning a certain number of points in a season. He's definitely earned a point for Lille there. I remember the game against Montpellier before Christmas when in the last minute he pushed one against the post, uh, earned them the 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 three points in that game. Um, Lille so still three points above PSG and Lyon. Uh, Monaco still four points then outside. Um, the bottom three, but uh, Robbie, it was the first sort of heavyweight tussle that we've seen in terms of you know this this run we're going to see in the coming weeks. We've got PSG against Leon um, at at the weekend, and uh, you know ultimately Lille might might be happy um, as the league leaders to sort of keep their rivals at bay if, if if they can get draws in these games. It might well be enough. And that is three draws in their last five matches in the league, so two wins to go with that. Nine points from fifteen. I don't know if that pace is going to be enough to win you the league, but it certainly appears to be at the moment because Paris and, and Monaco and Lyon are not doing the business either. It, it's, it looks as though all four teams are starting to just get a little bit nervy as we head into this final, final two and a half months. There's no side, at least, that is brimming with confidence. And that's what, that's what we're lacking at the moment, this side that really looks like they're going to boss this last two and a half months of the season. It, it looks like it's going to go all the way down to the wire. That Lille can count on a goalkeeper like Mike Mignon is very good. He is the third choice France keeper for the moment, but I'm not sure he's a, a player that's going to win you the league, is he? He doesn't have that experience. Right. You need really... Didn't Bernard Lama say that he was better than Navas, even after the Navas' Barcelona performance? Yeah, but Bernard Lama <laughs> was an amazing keeper, but also likes to put the, the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit as well. <laughs> Probably wants to be seen as be- PSG's best keeper of, of, of the modern era. Navas uh, is performing... He was incredible, Bernard Lamar as well. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Dave, just a quick one about um, players coming back from injury. I mean, Renato Sanchez has been back for a while now, and we thought he was hitting top form, but you know, wasn't particularly influential on, on Sunday. Burak Yilmaz came on. How, how, how was he looking? And do you think... You know, Burak in particular is going to give him a boost in the coming I, weeks. I do think he will, but um, he didn't have many touches. And Monaco had more than 60% of the ball. And they couldn't get Burak Yilmaz into play. But I, I, I just love his attitude. He's always haranguing his teammates. He's always causing problems for defenders with his presence. Uh, that fierce will to win. He, he knows his way to goal. As for Renato Sanchez, I saw the interview that he gave pre-match to L'Equipe saying that he felt fully fit now having missed 16 matches in all competitions this season through injury and he had energy but yeah it wasn't really happening for him he had one shot that he dragged wide in the first half he and Benjamin Andre had a a lot of defending to do it wasn't really the sort of game for Renato Sanchez 
uh, yeah, the, the players that showed up a little bit, at least in terms of trying to see some goal mouth instant, were those capable of getting between the lines and shift the ball quickly. We had a couple of good moments from Ikone, who's in a decent spell of form at the moment. Weyer was gliding around Golovin as well, but it wasn't a game for the attackers. So Lille playing Paris Saint-Germain in the in the Coupe de France on Wednesday, and it's going to be interesting to see if uh, you know both of those teams rotate a lot or whether the managers will see it as a chance to get a, a psychological upper hand on, on, on the title rival. I suspect Lille will rotate heavily. I, I don't know what Paris Saint-Germain's thinking will be. I know they play a mixed team, it seems to me, pretty much every game apart from the Champions League. Um, but Lille yesterday against Monaco only had two of the players that had started the cup game the previous week against Gazlec Ajaxio starting. Robbie, with, with Leon away coming up on, on Sunday, you imagine people like Verratti, who was perhaps looking in need of a rest this weekend, won't be involved on Wednesday? Well, I think Verratti's only played two games now in a, in a month. He came back for the, for the game against Barcelona. Paredes got a rest last night as well. Um, Neymar's still not back. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Dave. I think that there'll, there'll be a fair bit of turnover. Paris Saint-Germain's most important match, I think, is, is Lyon on Sunday night at, uh, at Group Armour Stadium. But it is interesting that this cup match comes up now. Hypothetically, if Lille had got past Ajax in the, in the Europa League and were playing this coming Thursday, when would this cup tie have been played? It would have been impossible to, to put it anyway. That is not a is not an issue, but they may have had to have played this cup game with reserve teams during the international break or something, because uh, there was there is no more room in the I mean, calendar. We saw That's that in 2017, didn't we, when Monaco were in the semi-finals of the Champions League and went on to win the title, and they came to PSG in the semi-finals of the yeah, Coupe de France and, with the and played the reserves. Mm. And Abdou Diallo played for Monaco and was about yeah. the only player to do anything good for them. I think they lost 6-0, yeah. 6-1, something like that. Exactly, 6-0. Time for our Deja Who, Robbie, Dave... We're going to give our listeners an opportunity to, uh, to get involved. Thank you very much for all your emails with your predictions um, for, the, uh, for the top four. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how that plays out. Interesting to see that Dave and Robbie are, are, are very wrong already. Um, I'm not wrong yet because I didn't actually put any specific results, um, which was the clever way to do it, but a little bit cheeky as well. Deja Who, you have to try to guess who... Um, we are talking about our producer Ian Holyman comes up with these. Uh, you know what they say, Matt, is that uh, the only players that never miss penalties are the ones that never take them about your predictions. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's true. Um, but I did predict a top four. So, Deja Who, Ian Holyman, the um, producer, has come up with a tricky one. If you think you know the answer, you can email it to us, league1podcast at gmail.com. Here we go. Time for Deja Who. Born in Ivory Coast, I had two spells at France's most famous youth club, the first being the more successful of the two, during which I won the Coupe de France. A switch to Turin didn't work out. I was even loaned back to a Ligue 1 team, and I also had spells in England and in Scotland's second city. In England's and in Scotland's second city. I ended a career that didn't live up to its promise in Poland in 2015, but my nephew could add another potentially happy chapter to the family's history he's at PSG mmm I get the feeling that Ian really enjoyed um, putting out the clue to uh, to this week's Deja Who it's a fascinating one do email the answers if you think you know league1podcast at gmail.com 
Now, you're listening to Le Bourgeois. We're going through all the big matches from round 29. The other title contender that we haven't talked about yet, Leon, were in action on Friday night. Robbie Thompson commentated the uh, the action between Leon and Rouse. Buku outside with Fockett. The cross in is a good one. And what a finish. Well, it is a very good cross, but it is a stunning finish from Matthew Caffaro. Depay, the cross in is a good one. Kerouiri. Tino Kerouiri with the header. The Zimbabwean on the score sheet. Left out of the side. Ryan Shirky preferred. But Tino Kerouiri has got a crucially important goal there. Robbie, a last gasp goal then for Kerouiri, for, for Leon. Um, were they still a bit disappointed at the end of this one? It was obviously a game that they wanted to win. Yeah, I think uh, overall they were disappointed with the performance more than anything. You'd think if you get an equaliser in the 92nd minute, normally the coach will say about it's a, it's a draw, but it feels a bit like a win because we came from behind, we got the goal laid on, we saved something from the match. But I don't think it's the case with, with Leon against a round side who, who, who didn't really push them that hard either. The first half was, was quite even and... You know, like Paris Saint-Germain, you would have expected more from Leon, a little bit more urgency. There wasn't that urgency in in the performance at all. We didn't see Memphis Depay on the football very much. Use Mawa is back in the starting lineup at the moment, but but didn't do much either. It was it was a disappointing Leon, but yeah, probably Awa Awa was replaced, wasn't he, by Maxence Kakare, who had much more influence. So, mm-hmm. to, to, would it be fair to say that Awa's having a Maybe not a disappointing season, but an up-and-down season. Yeah, I think he is having a, a disappointing season. But let's not forget that there was so much expected of him this season as well. And that's not easy for, for a young player necessarily to shoulder. He was called up to the France team as well. He had COVID at the start of the season. There are, there are all sorts of explanations for performances this season that we haven't necessarily experienced before. And there are plenty of options in midfield for, for Rudy Garcia. He's got, he's got Paqueta there who's changed the balance a little bit in midfield. Thiago Mendes is really the player he was at Lille a couple of seasons ago now as well. Awas doesn't necessarily have the, have the place he had in midfield before. He's been playing higher up, but he's lost that place in the front three because of the, the attacking trio they have there now. So, look, it's been a, a difficult season. Plus, he wanted away, didn't he? And everyone thought he was going to leave during, during the summer. That move didn't, didn't come off, so he had to sort of come to terms with that as well. And and yeah, it's a season yeah, where he dodged a season the bullet that hasn't by, come off for him by not signing for Arsenal, probably. Um, Dave, yeah, Rudy you, Garcia doesn't seem to know himself why they can't produce a ninety-minute performance at the moment. They're so inconsistent, even within games. And to be honest, I don't think his team selection is helping because what scares oppositions is the attacking trio. And Kadawere has been left out a bit recently. It didn't work when Slimani played wide right. Um, Ryan Shirky got a start because he'd done well against Sosho in the cup. He seems to always mm-hmm. do well in the cup, yeah. but still hasn't scored a goal in the league. The I, we still call him a wonder kid. I'm I'm deciding whether to keep that or not. He's still only 18, isn't yeah, he? he? he is yeah, only. but is he a wonder? Yes. <laughs> yes. I know he's a good player. He had some lovely touches. No, I think it'll be really good. Yeah. Uh, he's he's got lovely balance, and I enjoy watching him mm-hmm. play. But I'd start Cadwery ahead of him every time. Yeah. Great header. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love headed goals. Superb cross by Memphis. And a really good header by Kadawere for his 10th of the season. Get him back in. 
Kadawiri's had a bit of a dip in form. I, I know he's been unwell and I've heard he's he's been carrying a knock as well. So I'm going to defend Tino. Uh, he has, uh, the goals had dried up for him, but 10 he's got in, in the league now this season. Uh, Robbie, you must be a bit worried, no, in the, the PSG camp going to the group armour. We know that PSG have had uh, had problems in the past. Huge game. Absolutely, it is a, an absolutely huge game. You know that Leon are going to be absolutely up for this one as well. Uh, I think the lack of intensity that we've seen in these these different matches for Lyon against Reims, for Paris against Nantes as well, there's going to be no excuses, absolutely no excuses at Group Armour Stadium. This is, we've said there are 10 finals, or three weeks ago we're saying there are 12 finals now. Now we're down to nine, and this one really is. This is, this okay. is a I'm huge I'm sure Paris Saint-Germain will be pleased to know that I predicted that they'd lose at Group Armour <laughs> Stadium, so they'll probably win, but... I, this is where I, I will back up Robbie's point from earlier. Lyon are going to be fresh. They've got a clear week. And PSG, if only, even if only four, let's say, of the starters next Sunday are involved on Wednesday, that's already a, a big difference compared to Lyon, who've got the whole week to prepare. Mm. Uh, but and that's Dave, been the case all season, let's not forget. Did you hear what year. Robbie just said? No excuses. If PSG lose at Group Armour... They're not excuses. No, no I'm just saying, what... next Monday morning, <laughs> if PSG have lost, there are no excuses. Okay. So, I want to talk African strikers. Kadawiri, we mentioned 10 goals uh, this season. A really good debut season in the top flight. Another African who's doing really, really well is the Nigerian Terum Moffi. Um, he's been uh, banging in the goals for Lorient in the last two or three months. He got four goals in January, three in February. Really, since the turn of the year, he's been on fire. Um, Armel Tangi had uh, the pleasure of meeting Terum Moffi over in Brittany. And here is what the, uh, the young Nigerian striker had to say about his outstanding form in 2021. My brother has sent me a picture for the highest goal scorers in 2021. I saw my name with Luis Suarez, Lewandowski, Messi. I was like, how is this even possible? It's been surreal so far, to be honest. And the first couple of games, it was quite difficult, like adapting and the language, the style of play and to everything actually. From the new year it's been a different side of Terry Murphy. A guy who's just enjoying his game and playing football. Yeah, interesting stuff from uh, a player who's still only 21. He's had spells in Lithuania and Belgium but really finding his feet now in the top flight with Lorient after as he mentioned, you know, a couple of difficult months. He's He's, he's been on the weights. He said it was difficult to, to get used to the physicality of, of league 1 defenders but um, he can finish, can't he? And he, he seems to have a nose for goal. He seems to be able to anticipate. Uh, Robbie, I'll, I'll give you the honour of going first because I, you mentioned him as one to watch a couple of months ago and we ridiculed you, but I think Absolutely. you were right. It's a, it's a, it's a familiar theme, Matt, for, for Robbie. Yeah, last year it was Boulay Yeah, this year, <laughs> Terra Moffi. Robbie's got an eye for a striker. Folland as well, who is top scorer, I might say, if you take out penalties. I did say uh, Kevin Folland would be top scorer. I didn't mention that I meant with taking out all penalties, which are obviously for a pure striker, you do. So, Terran Moffi, right. top scorer. Terran Moffi. Um, I like him. I like him a lot. I saw him for the first time live at the Parc des Princes, where he was playing up on his own up front. And he's, he's one of those players that you don't see all the time, but they have an excellent touch for a, for a big, strong striker. And he's also got the game against Paris in Lorient. Some superb touches, some per- superb little passes as well. His pass for um, Johan Wisser's equalising goal is, is superb. And, and the French would say he just stinks of football. 
and uh, it doesn't really work in English. Yeah. Foot. It doesn't but work Robbie, in English. But it's interesting because Arm- Armel, um, Armel talked to him about the games against PSG, and it, it, he he had a huge chance of the Parc des Princes where he totally miscontrolled uh, the ball. And yeah, it was interesting because in he told Armel that he, his dad and his brothers had a big go at him afterwards and saying, "You had so much time, just chill out, take your time." And it's really interesting because so he said in the return match he was going through and he just heard his brothers and his dad in, in, in his head and he really so. took his time and he just passed it yeah, in, he just in, passed it in for the, for the winning goal yeah. at, at Lorient yeah absolutely so he's obviously still learning Dave one, one to, to, to big up for your Newcastle following on Twitter definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd love to have a striker like Terra Moffi um, I'm worried for league and defenders if he's on the weights because I see him officially listed at 87 kilos He's one meter eighty-eight tall, and um, I know that he's a a big fan of Didier Drogba's. And Drogba, I thought, was in, in French terms, he was he pioneered this role as the, the lone centre forward. That I think Moffy has learned a lot from watching him because often the way Lorient play, particularly against bigger teams, he's so isolated. But he's that big, fast, powerful, and intelligent. Increasingly intelligent. He's only twenty-one years old. But keep performing the way he has been and he'll get himself into the Nigerian international setup, which he hasn't managed just yet. Um friend Rob of the show, Mark Rodden, did goal, say to me, he? he'd watched him in Belgium, he said, oh, he's raw, but he's going to be good. Yeah. That said, I don't know if Armel Tongi, when he goes and interviews players, they seem to have a dip in form afterwards. And Moffi hasn't scored for a month now. It's, it's like the curse of appearing on a gossip magazine cover or something. <laughs> I'm not sure we can put that one on on Armel, but perhaps it's something to do with his backflip goal celebration because um, he he admitted to Armel that the club have told him to stop doing it because I think it was against PSG where he, he kind of landed a bit awkwardly on his ankle. And um, so Armel said, are we not going to see that backflip again? And he said, oh. Moses Simon did some good backflips <laughs> yeah, last yeah, night at the last party night as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 10 out of 10. But maybe it's a case not of... Not quite Lamana Trezor Luar Luar. That's just a Newcastle reference to even up the Arsenal well, I think Obama Yang is the king. But um, Moffy, uh, maybe because he's been told not to do the celebration, he's like, well, I'm not going to score. Well, that would be a shame. But, <laughs> and, and clubs should uh, take that into account when they, when they talk about goal celebration. Lorient got a point um, at home against uh, Nice at the weekend. It was Johan uh, Wisser who got the goal for, for Lorient. Um, they're not out of the clear yet, though. No, they're not. And they've got to be careful because Nantes winning. Uh, Nantes are only a point behind them now. Lorient in 17th, just hovering above the relegation zone. Um, Saint-Etienne got a, a good victory at the weekend. They're up in 16th and they're five points um, above uh, Lorient now Saint-Etienne who won 1-0 at Angers thanks to Wabi Kasri. We're going to turn our attentions to Marseille. Um, I know Robbie this is the moment you've been waiting for in particular. Marseille resurgent under Jorge Sampaoli. Who did you say would finish fifth? I can't remember. I think he did say Marseille and we both said Lens. <laughs> well long way to go long way to go but let's hear what happened at the orange velodrome between uh, Marseille, <coughs> sorry, Marseille and Brest, I commentated this one. Milik chesting to uh, Payet, back to Milik. Can he get the shot away? He can. That is a superb goal from Arkadius Milik. That is what he is capable of. The man on loan from Napoli with his third goal in Ligue 1 over eights. It's a good ball to the far post from Fev and Brest the level. Lilian Brassier, the first player to score against Sampaoli's Marseille. Thanks to a delicious ball in by Romain Fevre. 
Marseille have got it back though. Here's Gay finds Luis Enrique. Oh, lovely finish. Florian Tova might just have won it with three minutes left. Now long for Luis Enrique. Will he keep it alive? He has done. Enrique still decent cross from him. Oh, super finish from Mikel Cuisance. And Marseille starting to enjoy life once again. Well, this was interesting. It was a good game of football. And the second half in particular was interesting because both teams really went for it. When Brest equalised through uh, through Brassier, um, they fancied their chances. Just before Brassier equalised, Deloglio had sent on more forwards. So they had a lot of attacking players on the pitch. What I loved, though, was the way that Sampaoli just had one thing on his mind, quite clearly. There was no... Oh, we've got to be careful. Brest are looking dangerous. He put on more and more attacking players and he and he just did everything to try and win the game. And I just, I, I had my coup de gueule uh, last week about Bruno Genesio and I, I don't want to, you know, single him out all the time. But, you know, this kind of very cautious um, French philosophy, if I'm not being too harsh on our on our French friends, you know, a draw is a good result. You've got to keep what you've got. Sam Pauli didn't want to get a draw at home against Brest and he got the reward. Brilliant goal from uh, Florian Tovan after Luis Enrique had set him up. And then Enrique again, who's been uh, heavily criticised since his move from, from Brazil. He's only a young lad, but uh, supplied a couple of really good crosses. That finish from Cuisance, brilliant. Two goals in two under Sam Pauli now for, for him. And it was just great to see, you know, from even from a neutral perspective, those... Uh, those scenes of joy and, and, and the passion that was on display in those, in those last minutes. Is this what Sam Pauli is or is he thinking, I've got three and a half months in this season, whatever happens in this, uh, the last three and a half months, I better try and just win the fans over. They've had a tough year. I'm going to go out swashbuckling, all attack football. This is what the, the people of Marseille want. I've got nothing to lose. Let's go for it. it, wa- it wasn't, it's not it- just that though, is it? It's that I, I did the game against Wren in mm. midweek and it was clear in that game that they hadn't had many sessions working under Sam Pauli, but still you had the the premises of this new system put in place, the the five three two and these very different roles for especially for someone like Florian Tovan, who I hadn't seen do that much running this mm. calendar year. And so what he has managed to do with that squad, which I, I maintain is quite a limited squad in terms of its talent. He's at least got them performing with more energy. And I think um, I, I've adopted Armel Tongi's pronunciation of Luis Enrique now. I've abandoned Enrique. Um, so, But he set up the goal, the winner for Cuisance on the Wednesday, came off the bench, set up two more goals against Brest. And he was this player that was described as a nugget when he signed, that they thought they'd found a real <laughs> gem. And we wondered just who had been doing the scouting because he showed nothing. He was signed as a centre-forward. He can't play centre-forward. But he is now showing that he can play wide and maybe operating under Jorge Sampaoli, whose last coaching job was in Brazil, is going to bring out the best of the young Brazilian. That's the way it appears so far. And Cuisance, nobody thought that Marseille would take up the option to buy. You're going to have to, aren't you, if he keeps playing like that every week? It's a great goal. Yeah, brilliant finish. I wonder if he would have done that if it was at 1-1. It was a case of... You know, that goal from Tovan really kind of liberated Marseille and there were a few minutes left. But yeah, credit to him. And he clearly does have he clearly does have quality. But Robbie, th- you know, this wasn't an amazing Marseille performance. This wasn't brilliant, free-flowing football. It was um, a game where they did actually struggle at times. Mm-hmm. 
I think there but are differences. Brest are a side that make you that yeah, force Brest, you to struggle Brest as had, well. Brest had a lot of a mm. lot of the ball. They had more of the ball than Marseille. There, there, there are two factors though. There's the fact that Milik um, gives them a focal point. I in wanted attack. to ask you about Milik. Uh, how Milik, did, how Milik, did he play? Milik looks, his running off the ball and his positioning has been superb from what I've seen. No, so Milik, far. Milik is on a different level to the strikers we've seen at Marseille in recent mm. years. If you look at Germain and uh, and Benedetto, and Benedetto you know this guy. Looking, his, his scoring record isn't that amazing. Um, looking at Napoli and and even Poland, but you know he does he, he leads the line really well. Like you say, mm. his movement is intelligent. He brings other players into the game, and he's got a presence. Took his goal, he, you know, he made the goal really himself and 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 scored it. And I think Marseille have done fantastically well to get him. So it's that, and it's also and it's the mentality that I saw in in that second half to say we're going to keep on running, we're going to keep on giving everything, and. Uh, and they did. And I think sending on attacking players for defenders, um, you know, he took Alvaro Gonzalez off to, to, to put on, was it Luis Enrique or was that Cuisance? I'm not sure, but he kept on putting attacking mm. players on. And uh, I, th- I think that, that ultimately got the, got the win. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to mention a name now who I think has been the biggest beneficiary of this change in system. Paul Lirola. He's on loan from Fiorentina and um, he, he was very good against Ren. Loves getting forward down the right-hand side. And he was involved in a lot of Marseille's attacking play. Again, I really like his energy. I'm- yeah, he's got, he's got a, a real power. Um, and he's a full-back, a wing-back who's capable of, of playing, I think, in that San Paoli system. He was also at fault for the Brest goal. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, 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 he lost Brassier. It was definitely his fault. Um, but even after that, you know, he, 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 he kept on attacking. And uh, I, think, I think Dave's quite right. I think they need to find... I guess Amavi is, is is going to come back because Nagatomo can't can't get up and down as much on on the left hand side, and I think that's a key part um, of San Paoli's uh, game plan. Japanese fullbacks' days are numbered at uh, Marseille, then boys, because Hiroki Sakai as well is the. I think so. Sakai came right on, back. yeah, for mm-hmm. on the left to replace Nagatomo, but uh, you don't necessarily get one good player out of two that are kind of flagging, and uh, I think yeah, I think the sooner Amavi is back, the better. Um, that's it in terms of our featured matches. I'll just uh, give you the other scores around the country this weekend. What haven't we featured? The Derby, Nîmes 1, Montpellier 1. I saw pictures there of Andy Delors um, biting his uh, crocodile sweet, his Haribo, um, to try to um, have, a, have a bit of a pop at the crocodiles of Nîmes. But then, but then yeah, VAR intervened and, and ruined his fun. Um, but uh, Delors did manage to score. And it finished 1-1. Lance 2, Mets 2 in in the game between the two um, surprise packages this season, both going for fifth. By all accounts, uh, an outstanding match that as well. Um, Lance and Mets have been uh, a real uh, joy to to watch this season. Certainly Lance have played some great football and Mets have... uh, have have overachieved so far given their given their budget. Ren won Strasbourg nil. First win for Bruno Genesio at Ren, thanks to a goal from Benjamin Bourgeau. Uh, which other games? Bordeaux winning three one against Dijon. Dijon look all but down now. They've just got fifteen points, and Bordeaux with that victory, thanks to a couple of goals from Huang Wijou, um, they move uh, clear of trouble. They're not going to um, suffer relegation, even though before that. They'd lost seven out of eight. Let's look ahead now. Let's look ahead to round 30. We know we've got that Coupe de France game on Wednesday night but uh, between Lille and PSG. But after that, the Ligue 1 action uh, resumes and we've got some cracking games. So we're going to have a look and see where we will go at the weekend. 
So, the round 30 action kicks off uh, with uh, an interesting game between Saint-Étienne and Monaco. Not necessarily an easy one for Monaco. They were held at home by Saint-Étienne uh, at the Stade Louis de earlier this season. That kicks off at 9 o'clock in France. 8pm in the UK. Watch it on BT Sport. Likewise with Nice-Marseille on uh, on Saturday afternoon. 5pm in France. 4pm in the UK. And of course... The big one, the biggest one, Lyon versus Paris Saint-Germain. It is uh, a huge clash at 9 o'clock local time on Sunday night. Watch it at 8pm in the UK on BT Sport to see who will get the better of the battle between Depay and Mbappe. Uh, We should have Neymar back for that one as well. Um, So it should be interesting. Robbie, where would you like to go next weekend? I would like to go all over the place, Matt. I think there there are plenty of interesting matches. I want to see Monaco to see how they can bounce back uh, against Saint-Étienne, a Saint-Étienne side that that are really strange this season. They seem capable of of playing some good football and and getting the odd result that's just keeping their head above water, but then they go on another on another difficult run. So I want to see how how Monaco bounce back and is their title challenge finished? Are they just going to settle for fourth because if that's the case then that's going to have an impact on what the matches to come as well because they play Leon and uh still and uh still to come this season so are they going to fall away are they going to going to stay in the hunt that for me is a I think they'll fancy question. they'll fancy their chances now given the fact that the three above them are all kind of stuttering I think Monaco will, yeah, will still very much feel well. they can finish in the top three yeah well they They'll need to win at Saint-Étienne. They need to win, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, yeah, look, I'll be, I'll be at the puck. I'll be watching Group Armour Stadium and uh, Lyon versus Paris Saint-Germain. DC. Uh, Lille against Nîmes, for me. Um, another chance for Lille to put pressure on Paris Saint-Germain by playing in the afternoon game ahead of PSG, playing later in the day. Pressure on Lyon as well. Yeah, they'd be six points clear, wouldn't they, if, they, if Lille win? And also... Just because I haven't had many chances to watch him this season and he's one of my cult heroes in Ligue 1, Renault Repar for Nîmes. Just like to watch him. Absolutely. But will he be playing left back, right back, central midfield, left wing, centre forward? All of them. <laughs> if Nîmes had 11 Renault Ripars, they wouldn't be in relegation trouble, would they? No. But for once, that would actually hold true. I, mean, I often think about this. I mean, Liverpool fans used to sing, we all dream of a team of Carragers. That would be a horrendous team to watch. But yeah. I would watch a team of Renault Repars. <laughs> fair play, fair play. I'm going to go um, quite predictably to Nice. I'm spending a lot of time down in Nice at the moment, but keen to um, keen to see how William Saliba is getting on. But uh, yeah, and also see how he gets on ag- against Milik, who I think is one of the best forwards we have in, in Ligue 1 now. And interesting to see if after a week's training with Jorge Sampaoli, I'm, I'm keen to keep a close eye on uh, yeah on the tactical evolutions taking place at Marseille. Interesting uh, transfer talk there, Matt, about about Nice and their central defenders. Saliba, there's not much chance of him staying next season at Nice, I wouldn't have thought. What about Jean-Claire Todibo from Barcelona, who's also had a very big impact since since coming? He's already said that he wants to stay, Todibo. I think, I think, yeah, I think Saliba wouldn't be against joining Nice permanently either. I think it's a question of whether Nice could get uh, probably 30 million which Arsenal would would want given that's pretty much what they what they paid for him. I don't think that's in Nice's uh, no, I don't think project it is. is it at the moment. Like Jeffrey Adelaide Adelaide it was almost that much. Mm. Yeah, but that was pre-covid. But he's on loan, isn't he? From Lyon. With an option With to buy option. at 25 yeah. million. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and I mean, a knee reconstruction. I think he's doing really well. Both Saliba and Antonio Saliba's played like 
13 games already in the last two months. Mm. He's just playing every single match. Um, but uh, that's, yeah, that's probably enough uh, William Saliba talk for this week. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back with another Saliba special next week. Um, no, but we will be back with uh, the debrief of Leon PSG and all the other big matches. Lots to look forward to. Do hope that you've uh, enjoyed another edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. If you want to get involved, we're always delighted to hear from you and delighted to uh, to read out your questions or your observations. Uh, you can email us, league1podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back again next week from uh, Robbie Thompson, David Crossan, and myself, Matt Spirits. Time to wish you all the very best. Au revoir. Et à bientôt. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Oh, my word, what a goal. Got to Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And by Nyon. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. 